Amen. <laughs> I can't promise you the first Sunday of 2021 is going to be any better or different. Nonetheless, this is the end of one, you know, almost the end of one year. So, but praise the name of the Lord. So we have been in a series prior to Advent. We were in the book of Philippians. And so it's the Indivisible series. And today we are going to finish up the book of Philippians and chapter 4. But I asked a special friend of mine. He's a, he's a good friend of mine, a brother, a mentor. I posted on Facebook. He is one of my favorite Bible teachers and communicators of God's word. And so if you haven't ever heard Pastor Dan Holland communicate God's word, you're in for a treat today. I ask you to put your your hands together for Pastor Dan as he comes. Good morning. It is good to be with you, even though outside. Testing, test. We got. Oh, we're there now. I don't actually need it, you know. So it's good to be here even though it's cold, but you know what it means when it turns below 40 degrees in Florida? It means you get to pull out those jackets that you've owned since 1990. And for the ladies, it means you get to wear boots. That, that's what I get. Ooh, I get to wear boots. It's below 60 degrees. So it's great to be here on the last day of 2020. Thank you, Bishop Jason. Longtime friend for the invitation to share from God's Word. We're going to wrap up this teaching from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Now, if you, if you know anything about the letter, you know that Paul is writing to say thank you for a financial gift that they had sent to him, but he's also writing to correct some things in the body of believers there in Philippi that were working against them and their unity. And so we're going to finish out chapter 4 all the way from verse 10 to verse 23. Y'all ready for this? All right, let's just get right into it. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You might want to underline that. You might want to highlight that. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, but I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all, th all of this through him who gives me strength. And yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. That's really important. I'm not even preaching on that, Bishop, today, but it's important for us to remember it's not about giving. It's about the, it's when we give and we give to God, he says, it is credited to your account. Verse 18, 
I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he says, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And the church said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I want to ask that today you would bless each one of us on this last Sunday of 2020. I pray, Father, that we would be able to reset our focus, getting ready for the days that are ahead. And that is my prayer, that you would use this teaching today and the truth that comes from Scripture for your purpose so that you might be glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, and together we say, amen. Well, I'll just say, what a year it's been. Would you agree with that? If ever we need to talk about contentment, it's right now. In March of this year, my wife, Beth, my daughter, Ashley, and I went to India, and I preached there and saw that I was getting my eyes on work of church planting throughout mid-India. It's a third world country, as you know. Um, We we was able to preach to literally thousands of people who sit and wait, and they, they just want to, they want to take in the Word of God. And then, all of a sudden, this pandemic began to sweep across the country. We didn't know if we were going to get out of India, but when we landed back here, I was not even over my jet lag. Within one week, the, the whole world just shut down. That's, at least that's the way it felt for me. It's almost like somebody tripped and hit the cosmic pause button. Do you know what I mean? where everything just kind of stopped. And, but while the world stopped, technology took a 10-year jump in about a two-month period. And it was no more of, of us asking, well, can we do business this way or that? You had to do business in a new way. There's no more, well, can we do church in a new way? Can God somehow use us in this new world that we were, that we were sensing? And the question was not, it was not a conversation. We didn't choose this. It just happened. Everything that had been predictable seemed like it had disappeared. Did, did you feel, did you get that? Did you feel that? Routine for everybody was changed. Now, nobody, was, nobody asked for it to change. It just did. Life as we knew it had been scattered. More specifically, the church was scattered due to circumstances that were outside of our control. And not just the church in America, but the church worldwide. And suddenly our routines became unexpectedly halted. We hit a fast stop. Whatever your routine was, your routine was changed. And what was predictable was just gone. And as I watched with interest uh, how our confidence took a direct hit because we didn't know how to behave. Now, I believe that much of our confidence is based on predictability. I don't want to go into the teaching on this, but we are confident when we, when we are able to predict what's next. We're confident in relationships. We're confident in, in our workplaces. We're confident in, in certain arenas. But suddenly, it's literally like nothing was predictable. And that's exactly why we need to know the secret 
of being content. Paul wrote this, I have learned the secret of being content. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You know, something is just a secret whenever you don't know it. When you don't understand something, it's, it's a secret. You know, you can know that a, you can have a cell phone in your car driving down the road and talk, but not know the secret of how that works, right? Now, my, my kids would tell me, my adult children would tell me, Dad, you don't even understand the secret of how the apps work, which, fair, fair enough. But sometimes it's not that you can't know something, it's that you just don't yet know it. What Paul said is that he had learned the secret of being content. It didn't come as a part of his original hardware, though. He had to learn it, and this is important. Sometimes we get frustrated because we just don't, we're not in a good place or we're in a new season and we don't know how to deal with whatever it is that's in front of us. It's, listen, it's not that you can't know it, it's just that you don't yet know it. That's why he ends this letter by giving them the gift of revealing to them how to be contented all the time. He knew that contentment affected how everybody receives a gift and also how a person gives. And Paul said that the secret to this contentment is this. Contentment is found in a relationship with Jesus because Jesus Christ is predictable. And that is why our confidence can be in the Lord. And that's why sometimes we feel out of kilter whenever things change because we realize our confidence may have been in the wrong place. If you know Jesus, Paul says, you can choose to be content because you have what you need. But here's the thing. In order to understand the secret of contentment, we have to be taught the secret. How are we taught? Listen to what I'm about to tell you. We are taught the secret of contentment through trial and suffering. Or another way of saying it, through living through 2020. Paul had learned the experience. He can move in and out of all kinds of circumstances because Christ was in him and giving him strength. It is by the experience of those extremes that Paul came to know the secret of coping with all circumstances. He learned it. He didn't didn't know it before going into these circumstances. Through those extremes, Paul was initiated into that secret. The secret, though, was not so much that finding out that he was self-sufficient. It was that he could be soul sufficient. Paul could move successfully in and out of all kinds of circumstances because Christ was in him and giving him strength. He said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he writes, I know what I'm talking about. He said, I know what it's like to be in need. The word that's used there is the word humbled. It's the same word in chapter 2 that describes Jesus Christ who humbled himself and became man. To be in need is, a, is he knew what it, he said, I know what I'm talking about. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be thirsty. I know what it's like to be naked. I know what it's like to not have a place to live. I know what it's like to be persecuted. I know what it's like to be in need. That's what Paul was saying. I've learned the secret And I'm telling you as someone who knows. One of the advantages of getting older, Bishop, is that we're able to look back over life and realize 
now we know some things. When you were young, you knew some stuff. When you were 20, you were smarter than the world. But when you get older, you truly know some stuff. Can I get an amen on that? And that's when you say, wait a minute. I can know the secret of being content. But he also knew that he could experience contentment while living in plenty. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, no duh, Sherlock. Of course you can be content when you're in plenty. But what you may not understand is it is often more difficult to find contentment when you have more than enough than when you don't have enough. If you try to carry an empty glass of water, you can do it without spilling. But if that glass of water is full to the brim, you have to walk extra carefully. Not because you lack, it's because you have an abundance. And Paul said, I know what I'm talking about. I have learned the secret of being content when I had nothing and when I had more than I needed to see me through the day. I have learned the secret of being content in any and all circumstances. I think what Paul was doing is giving us an illustration of Philippians 2, chapter 12, verse 13, uh, 12 and, uh, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, where he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. I think that Paul was working out his own salvation here, while at the same time, God was at work in him. And because he learned spiritual contentment, he came to a place where he had life contentment. Spiritual contentment leads to life contentment. Not just in the year 2020. It's every year. Sometimes we give our very best. You all know this. Sometimes we give our very best doing what we believe God's called us to do and we may not get the outcomes that we think our effort warrants. Sometimes obedience, I'm going to say this, sometimes obedience feels like a colossal waste of time. Don't misunderstand me. I'm a big proponent of using our gift and our gifts in a way that bring tangible results. I, my my two-word uh, vision for my life is expanding territory. I want to expand the kingdom of God however God can use me. I want to expand the kingdom of God. I help people expand their businesses and their companies, and their, but I, I want the, their influence to be expanded, not to get for themselves and not for the church to get for themselves, but for that God may be glorified in the end. So I'm a big proponent of getting results whether or not something is effective. I'm, I am, but we really need to remember that God is working out His plan not our plan. And we get to be a part of it. Paul had given his absolute best to the Lord and still he went through the times where he was in need and sometimes abundance. Sometimes Paul was well fed, he said, and sometimes he was in what he calls want. Sometimes he experienced an overflow in his life and sometimes he didn't have the basic necessities, but he was content because he knew it fit right into God's strategy. This is really important. 
And so wherever God had him, he decided, I'm going to give my very best, and I'm going to leave the outcomes to God. Now, I don't know what this year was like for you. For some people, it was awful. But for other people, it was a great year. Don't get stuck in a time warp, y'all. Keep perspective. Focus on what you can control. I'm going to give you a gem right here. Focus on what you can control and stop trying to control what you cannot control, never could control, always thought you could, and thought you were doing, until it changed. Do not try to control what you can't control. Definitely control what God has given you to control. Keep perspective. For perspective, I want to, re- I want to remind you, I'm going to take you on a little journey. You remember, how many of you were alive in 2000 when, when 1999 was turning into 2000? How many of you remember Y2K? Y2K was going to kill us. The world was going to end. That was all we heard. And I actually started thinking, you know what? What? The computers are all going to shut down. Our cars aren't going to run. Our trucks aren't going to run. Nothing's going to work. You remember the year 2000? Woo! But we made it through. (laughs) Only to enter into 2001. And we had the fear of anthrax. Only to hit 2002, and it was the West Nile virus. It was going to kill us. Every time I see a mosquito. 2003, SARS was going to kill us. 2005, the bird flu was going to kill us. In 2006, E. coli was going to kill us. I know some of y'all are getting worn out right now. In 2008, there was the financial collapse. In 2009, it was the swine flu. In 2013, there was the threat of North Korea. In 2015, there was the threat of ISIS. That's all you heard about. In 2016, it was the Zika virus. In 2020, it was the coronavirus. You see, whatever the year, whatever the month, whatever the circumstances that you are in, that I am in, that the world is in, there is a secret to be learned. Unless we learn this secret, we are destined to subject ourselves to subject ourselves to changing circumstances. Like I said, we really need to remember that God is working out His plan, not our plan. But we get to be a part of it. And so give your very best, trusting God every step of the way. We should, in my, the, in the words that, that I use are in, the, in the people that I teach and in the, in the, in the uh, leadership coaching I do, leave it all out on the court for God. Don't conserve your energy. It's fourth quarter, 30 seconds. You leave it all out on the court and leave the results to God, even when we may not experience immediate, tangible results. You know this, it's true. All nature depends on this. All nature. You look at a tree, 
and a tree has to depend on the root system in order to get all the nutrients it needs from the ground and from the sun and, and, and from the water. But if you cut that tree, are we ever surprised that it dies? Well, until it's called a Christmas tree. A week ago, my wife made a post and she said, I am over this tree. Now, we, we had artificial trees before and they looked amazing for as long as you wanted to leave, leave them up. Why? Because they weren't real. This year, though, our daughter moved into her new place. Mama, can I have the Christmas tree? And my wife gave away my tree. And it looks good at her townhouse. But in our house, she said, why don't we get a real tree? That's fine. We ran over to Lowe's, got us a real tree. And it's seven foot tall. It looked good. And we kept it watered and the whole thing. And she said, I watered that silly thing. And it still is dying on me. And a week out, it started getting brown, and we said, well, should I have another? And I don't want to get off on this, but it's, it's cathartic for me to share this with you. We said, should we go get us another tree? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not undecorating a tree to decorate another tree. I'm not doing that. I don't love Christmas that much, and I love Christmas. But, and I'm not even, she said, well, maybe we should buy a fake tree. Nope, that requires more work. I'm gonna, we're going to have to take the lights off because I have like 9,000 lights on my tree. And so, so maybe let's get a pre-lit tree. No, I'm not going to. Nope, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I'm too cheap. So, I, so we just left that tree up, and on Christmas Day, we're like, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, oh, brown Christmas tree. It was, it was beautiful. Why, why did it die? Because it had been cut off from its life source. And we would hear, I said, honey, if you're going to post that, she goes, is it okay if I post this? Yes. And she actually had a spiritual uh, uh, application to it. She said, it reminded me of a life truth, John 15, where Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the point. If you cut a tree from its life source, it can live for a while, but eventually it is going to die. Let me, let me share something with you. If you are connected to Christ and to truth and to the body of Christ, this is a life source. This is a, one of the ways that God works to breathe life into us, to give us perspective. It's like being here on the last Sunday of 2020. It's like I needed that for perspective. It's, you're, you're breathing in God's truth, and you're, you're getting life source. But when someone disconnects themselves from the body of Christ, it doesn't matter why. All that matters is that eventually there's death that happens because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We try to live life on our own dime. We try to live life in our own way. And Christ says, no, I want you to follow me. Listen to me. Read my word. Don't say you believe in my word. Read my word. Take my word in. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if I disconnect myself from God, from Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter why. Eventually, I'm like that Christmas tree. I'm going to turn brown and die. You see, the result that Paul says here is, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He says, this is, this is a wonderful truth. He said, I want you to know this. Um, uh, that, that God has a plan. He's going to meet all your needs. Thank you for your gift. I'm not asking you for that. I wasn't expecting it. I am grateful for it, and it is meeting a need. But God 
my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You know, we give and it subtracts from our bottom line. God gives and he owns it all. I had a friend of mine that said um, that we were talking about church and the truth that um, he had been through a lot of changes in life. And he had worked for me at a large church that I worked for here in Central Florida. And, and um, he said, you know, I, um, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle to, f- to find a church, to get connected in. It's been a struggle to just see, for, to wonder, how, why is God doing this in my life? And why is that happening in my life? And um, he said, I actually got to the place where I wondered, does God have a plan? Have you ever, has that ever occurred to you? Okay, so I believe in God, but does he have a plan? It'd be awesome if I could know what that plan is. And I listened to him, and he said, he said, you know, I never doubted the existence of God, but just whether or not there's, there's a plan. What's the, what's the plan? And I shared with him that I, when this whole pandemic started, I began to watch how the church was scattered. And it's not the first time it was scattered, and I don't have time to go into this. But from Acts chapter uh, 8, verse 1, was the first scattering of the church. And when the church is scattered, it, it's, be, it's usually a result of things that are beyond our control. In the first century, it was the persecution. And in this pandemic, the church gets scattered. And um, I thought, well, how might, this, how might God be using this time to glorify himself. And one thing I've learned is that God's people don't like to be scattered. We don't like when things change. And it's, am I right about that? I know some of you are like, no, I, I just, oh, I'm a change agent. I just love change. No, you don't. Let me mess with, let me move your car around or, or, or have you sit in a different place or have you, you we, don't, we, we, we don't like change all that much. But if you've ever noticed that God often does his best work in us when he can remove us from places where we have previously been comfortable because he causes us to think differently. And in times like that, I came to, we need to to refocus. And in order to get to the place where I find this contentment, I look for what I'm supposed to be doing, how I should do that thing, and why I should do it. Now, I've got some slides here that I want to show you so that this will help you kind of get your head around this. But there's three circles I've got up here. What am I supposed to be doing? Second is, how should I do that thing? And then why am I doing this? And, you know, when this whole shutdown happened, I, I started asking myself, all right, so now, well, what am I going to do now that, that my whole schedule has changed? And so um, I don't have to travel a lot anymore. And, and so... How, how am I going to do that, whatever it is I'm going to do, and then why am I doing it? And I thought, well, I could just sit and binge on Netflix. Don't raise your hand if you need to confess that. But, but I actually, you know what I did? I actually uh, um, uh, discontinued Netflix. It was like I had taken my pacifier away. And I'm being serious. You all know what I mean when you're just like, I just don't know what else to do, so I'll just sit down and... Yeah, it was like I took my past far away. There's a whole world out there if you don't have Netflix to fall back on. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy myself a bicycle, and I'm going to just start riding my bike. Why? Because I'm, I'm home a lot more. So I bought a bicycle, and, on, uh, uh, and, and I basically just like gear. At least that's what my wife tells me. 
But I, I got all the gear I needed, and I just, not those tight pants. I don't, I don't do that tight pant thing. <laughs> That's not my thing. I just, it, mountain bike, brother. Yes. So anyways, um, and so I just started writing. And so what was I going to do? I, I thought, well, I'm going to come out of this pandemic in, in better condition. So, and how am I going to do that? I'm just going to get on a bike, and I'm going to start riding my bike. Why am I going to do that? Because I want to end up after this. I don't know what's going to happen, how long it's going to be. Or, and so, so I bought a bicycle, and on day one, I went out there and rode. And you've got all these apps. I know how to use this app. It's like, it's map my ride, and you can, it's how far you ride. On day one, now I live in an area of, um, of central Florida where there's hills. It, it doesn't look like Florida. And so I went riding through this on these hills, and, and uh, I get back about, I don't know, 40 minutes later, I'm out of gas, and I look, I'd gone not even two miles. I was worn out, and I thought, I'm going to pass away. I'm going to die right now. I hope people say nice things about me at my funeral. This is, I don't know why I started this. So on day two, I went out on another ride, and my app tracks it, and I realized it took me about two weeks to get up to where I was just riding two or three miles a day up and down these hills. Eventually, though, Week three, week four, week five, I would go out riding, and now I can go out riding. I'll ride 16, 17, 18 miles. And somebody goes, oh, well, I'm really impressed by that. Oh, don't be impressed by that. But my point is this. I decided, what am I going to do? Well, I want to come out of this, this pandemic in, in better condition. How am I going to do that? I'm just going to buy a bike and start riding. Why? Because I have a choice. God's given me the ability to choose how I'm going to live, so that's what that's what I'm going to choose. Well, the same is true for these when it comes to our, our life overall, when it comes to following Jesus Christ. You, you realize that, that there are three huge biblical principles that these three uh, circles are going to represent. The first one is three key biblical concepts. The first circle represents the Great Commission. So what are we supposed to be doing as a church? It's the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. So what are we supposed to be doing? That's the Great Commission. If I'm not on mission, I'm off mission. If I'm on my own mission, I'm not co-missioning with him. Okay, so what am I doing? That in all of my life, I don't care where I live in my neighborhood, I am on mission because I have my neighbors around me that I need to care about. I don't need to like them. I need to love them. Does it make sense? Okay, so you're on mission. That's the great commission. Now, how are we supposed to be doing that? That is the great commandments. The great commandment is, I think it's so cool because Jesus made this very simple. And I know you're familiar with this, but it's just, it's, it's simple to understand. It's just hard to do. But the scripture tells us about the religious leaders who were trying to corner Jesus. And Jesus came to them in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, when they said, hey, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the first is like the second is the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law, capital L, and prophets hang on these two commands. In other words, if you keep these first two commandments, you will never violate another commandment of God. 
to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you say, well, what am I supposed to be doing? I would say it's the great commission. Well, how am I supposed to be doing that? I would say it's the great commandment. And you say, well, why are we doing this? I call this the great connection. And I take this from John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, and I made reference to it a minute ago, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do how much, church? Nothing. You can live a good life. You can even be impressive. You can even work at a church. You can do, but you cannot. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Why? Why are we doing all this? John chapter 15 and verse 8, I believe, is the key. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I believe that ultimately our motivation, the why, is to glorify God, period. Would you all agree? It's to glorify God. So what are we doing? We are, it's the great commission. How are we going to do that? It's the great commandment. Why? It is that great connection. And so whenever you look at these, you, these places where you have three circles that come together, let's, let's hit the next one, the next one after that. You see where the three circles come together. You see right in the center. If you, when, when you look at a, a Venn diagram like this, if you have three or more circles, at the very place where it connects, the dead center, it is called the radical center. The radical center is the place where as I am leaning forward into the future, I want to spend the rest of my life at the radical center of God's will saying, let me be on mission, let me love you and love my neighbor, and let me stay connected to you that you might receive all the glory. Right at the dead center is the radical center. That's the technical term for it. The next slide. I also refer to this as the ecclesia. This is where the called out live. I hope that this stirs your soul to say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to live at the dead center of God's will. I want to live at that radical center. This is where I want to spend the rest of my life. This is why I have prayed to God. I said, Lord, as we navigate these, this pivotal time in the history of the world, I want to drop anchor right here at the radical center of your will. Paul said it didn't matter where he was or what condition he was in because he knew he would be all right because he had learned the secret of contentment. Well, I want to live in that place where the mission is clear, where love for God and others motivates me and all to his glory. And I don't want to waste time. I want to live my life like it's the fourth quarter with 30 seconds left on the game clock. I want to go all in all the time. How about you? So what are your next steps? I would say first, pray. Ask God, where do you want me to go? Where are you sending me? How do you want to use my giftedness to your glory? And second, trust God. Trust God not just to see you out and alive out of 2020, but trust God be okay with the messiness of following God 
in this time. It won't be the last time. It won't be the last time that things change. It won't be the last hardship we endure. And it won't be the last time that we have great blessings. God is still on the throne. I would just ask you to be okay with figuring things out as you live your life day to day. You know, to get somewhere, you have to leave where you are. It's kind of like me riding a bicycle. In order to work my way up where I'm riding 17, 18, 19, 20 miles a day, you got to start with the first mile. you got to be okay with being out of breath and out of shape because you're not trying to please anybody. You're just trying to do what you know is right. I want to encourage you to adapt to the circumstances where God has you right now, believing that God is leading you. Because there's a truth, and Paul knew this. If I cannot be content where I am in the moment, it is highly likely I will not be content when I get wherever it is that I think I want to be. Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. And I want that for you too. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for the truth that is in your word. Thank you that we can be people who can leave this place with contentment. I pray, Father, that you would be glorified. And even now in a moment as we partake of communion, that we would be reminded that we serve a God who raises the dead. We serve a God that we are going to live with forever. I pray, Father, that only that in this day, in this month, and in this coming year, that you would serve, that you would use us to serve you and serve you only in our workplaces, in our homes, and in the church. And in the name of Jesus, we pray, and together we say, amen, amen. Amen.